tuned in. Welcome to Milo's Music Parlor, a live music speakeasy and podcast show brought to you by Milo Records New Orleans and itsneworleans.com. Every week we bring to you in our live audience a taste of the musicians who shape the New Orleans music landscape, from the living legends to the young upstarts to those burgeoning national and international acts making the extra effort to stop here in New Orleans, all of whom are performing live music to enjoy the rich musical history of the city that continues to inspire and influence musicians everywhere. Milo's Music Parlor is a member of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. You don't have to go far out of New Orleans city limits to run into small town Louisiana and the music that it incubates. From Cajun to Zydeco, and in today's case, bluegrass and country, Louisiana towns have cradled a number of notable roots musicians, such as singer-songwriter Grammy-winning Lucinda Williams to Grammy-nominated Zydeco man Corey Ledette. So it's a pleasure, but no surprise, to find Thomas and Teresa, young, fresh transplants to New Orleans attending Loyola University childhood friends from the small southwest Louisiana town of Sulphur, they're able to masterfully move between many styles of music, all while keeping true to the acoustic and raw roots of the instruments. If you like the lush harmonies of the Civil Wars, the romping bluegrass of Bill Monroe, the dark roots of Gillian Welch and David Rawlings, or the gut whiskey tromps of Lightning Hopkins, then the guitar and mandolin of Thomas and Teresa are for you. Hi, Thomas and Teresa. Hi. Hi, Kim. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks. thanks for having us. I know, I know you had to take a flight from Nashville here. That's right, yeah. Blew in this morning, so I'm flying out tomorrow afternoon, but I'm glad to be here. I already missed New Orleans after a week. It's hard not to, right? Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. What are you doing in Nashville? Uh, so I'm an intern at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. I'm a marketing intern, so I do a lot of the promotion work, but um, I get to go backstage uh-huh. now, which is really exciting, so I just worked my first show last Friday, so we have a bunch of good cool. things coming up, so it's just been a dream come true for such a lover of uh, bluegrass and country music to, you know, be at the place where it all sort of came together, you know. Well, that's before you and Teresa grace the stages of, of the opera someday, right? <laughs> we hope so, yeah. I was Snapchatting her backstage, like, well, let's play here someday. <laughs> um, how did you guys meet? What's your story? Everyone always, the last time you played a gig, I think everyone's like, are they dating or are they <laughs> <laughs> We get that a lot. I think Teresa could probably answer that because we always sort of argue about who started Yeah, who thing. started the band. I knew of Thomas through friends. Um, Thomas played the mandolin, and I knew that I wanted to start a, a band, and I wanted to play with Thomas. He didn't know me, so I introduced myself, and I was like, hey, How we old should... were you guys? 15? 15. Yeah. And where did you hear him play? I didn't hear him play. I just heard that he did play. And, um, <laughs> and that's friend, how he made I was the like the geeky yeah. mandolin kid at high, at, in high school, and I'd bring it to band class and play it. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that was my thing. <laughs> it took a lot. At first, he was really reluctant, and then finally, he said, okay, I'll play with you. 
and before we even played together, I went to the I went to the Real coffee shop, Thomas. and yeah. I scheduled a gig. And then I said, okay, we have a gig scheduled now. We have to play together. So. And I was terrified. Like she just up and scheduled a gig. We hadn't even really played together. But it was Did really you have effective. material? No. No, we didn't. We never. But it was effective. We got material together and uh, we played. Yeah. Wow. It's fun. When you're 15. <laughs> And then how did you come across, like, because you guys have a lot of original work, so what was the repertoire of that first gig? Well, interestingly, um, so I was at the time interested in going to Loyola, and so my parents drove me into New Orleans the weekend before our gig, and uh, I just sort of just fell in love with the city and saw how much it had to offer creatively, and uh, so I wrote the Mississippi song while I was here and then brought it back and uh, played it for so, Teresa, and so... We did have one original. We did have one original, and on Damn. this... song. It didn't even have a name. It, on the set list, it just said Thomas's song. Thomas's song. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's kind of where it started. Oh, won't you come stand by me at the Mississippi Singing that southern sky All the yellow, pink, and blue Will live my way to you Evangeline, you are mine Oh, there's a band playing yeah, After that, I just kept kind of churning stuff out It's a little competitive, I think, the songwriting Always <laughs> <laughs> trying to top each other Healthy competition Yeah <laughs> but, and otherwise, it was covers. It was yeah, Bill Monroe or like White Stripes and oh, yeah, it was, it was like not Cat traditional. Stevens. I don't. No, think. it was a great mix. Ingrid Michaelson, a bunch of different things. I think the traditional stuff is sort Christman. of kind of surmised recently. Mm-hmm. When so. you guys, so before you, so how did you get into the traditional realm then, Thomas? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I started playing mandolin when I was thirteen, okay. and um, I my dad took me to see a show where um, Ron Yule and Father Eddie Richard um, and the Medicare String Band were playing at our local <laughs> Catholic church. <laughs> and uh, my dad introduced me to Ron, and Ron's like, oh, well, we have a bluegrass jam in DeRitter, Louisiana. Um, so Where's DeRitter, Louisiana? DeRitter is about an hour's drive north. It's, north. it's close to the border of Texas. Hmm. But, um, yeah, that's where my family's originally from. It's just an old logging town, you know, so they had a bluegrass jam there in uh, Deritter, and I think it's still going on, and uh, I still try to drop in as much as possible and say hi to everyone, but that's sort of, my dad drug me out there and threw me in the middle of the jam, and that's how I got involved yeah. with bluegrass. And then you dragged it back to Teresa and said, listen, we have to play this? <laughs> yeah. I guess kind of sort of, yeah. I was a little authoritarian <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, well, Teresa didn't know how to improvise. So there was no way we were going to be able to do bluegrass at first because, uh, you know, she had trouble. Like, I was calling out chords left and right, and uh, eventually she just she caught on pretty quickly. <laughs> and so now we're at the point, I think, where we're just on the same level all the time. And how know. did you get into playing music? Were you playing music? Um, my parents are both really into music. My mom taught me piano, and my dad introduced me to the guitar Mm-hmm. kind of music her whole um, family's musical I'm jealous I don't have any music. musical people in my family well you had to make up for it by playing a lot yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> 
listeners the story of uh, listening to a bluegrass band that got you excited oh, about playing yeah. bluegrass. That, yeah, well, going into talking about how we got started in bluegrass, um, and this was this is how I sort of picked up the mandolin. Um, whenever I was in the eighth grade, a uh, bluegrass band from Alaska called Barefoot Bluegrass showed up at my middle school in uh, downtown Lake Charles. <laughs> It was just kind of like everyone filed into the gym and we all just sat in the bleachers and this little bluegrass band from Alaska just showed up in the center of the auditorium. And uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, Jason, the mandolin player, was the first to talk and he's like, uh, they wanted to introduce what they were playing so all the kids kind of understood because, you know, none of us were really exposed to this kind of music. And he said, you know, this mandolin here, this is what I play. And uh, the father of bluegrass music, Bill Monroe, was the person who sort of invented this sound in a bluegrass band. And uh, I'll never forget just seeing what an F-style mandolin looked like. And I just thought it was like the weirdest looking thing ever. But it, it just it fascinated me. And um, I realized that I had a mandolin sitting back home in my closet that was given to me when I was five years old. And I kind of, you know, plunked around on a little bit. So I pulled that out and, you know, started strumming around and... A local friend of ours kind of knew some stuff on the mandolin. So, how old were you when you saw uh, Barefoot Bluegrass? I saw Barefoot when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and then coincidentally, we met. <laughs> a weird, weird story. <laughs> we met, and he was working with Milo Records and Barefoot Bluegrass. The members happened to be good friends of mine from Alaska. Oh. Yeah, and Kim didn't, didn't believe that. me that. <laughs> I'm like. You are milking this. You're fine. You're going to have this internship. You don't have to. And I was like, no, no, I know this band. <laughs> it was great because I actually got to eventually recently play with Todd and Angela. That's right. And thank them for kindling my spirit Aww. in this music. And that was great. That's and beautiful. That's awesome. So, they now have a little baby. So they are That's right, yeah. back up north and they have a new project, Todd Greeby and Cold Country. Mm-hmm. So they'll be touring on their new album pretty soon. One of these days I'm gonna pick up the phone And me and you can reminisce About all of the good times we've had And all the good times we miss Happiness and congratulations Oh joy I hope your little bundle of loving Is a little baby boy the Opry people have actually mentioned Todd and Angela. Oh, really? Two Lalo's there, yeah. Oh, they know awesome. of them, so it's pretty cool. They must be uh, getting some good press. Getting some good... You know, it's funny that their baby was born, and someone in Bluegrass Pan- Planet caught wind and made an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> and Todd's like, who is her promo person? This is <laughs> but um, what... 
I want you to talk about, you know, the scene here. What's it like here in New Orleans to play this kind of music? Especially being young and not going to bars and listen and meeting the bands at their gigs. How's this how's this working out for you guys? Do you want me to answer that or do you want to answer? We'll, we'll trade off. We'll trade off, yeah. I think it's, it's <laughs> New Orleans is a lot more welcoming of acoustic music than I thought it would be initially. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go anywhere and play and people will come in and listen. Mm-hmm. You know. I think there's definitely an audience here. I yeah, think um, they're sure. just kind of all spread out. It's not like there's a central jazz scene. I think there's definitely an underground honky tonk scene. Maybe not necessarily. <laughs> maybe not necessarily like an acoustic bluegrass scene. But um, you know, a lot of the players, um, you know, who do play this music, sort of congregate at the Hi Ho Lounge on Monday nights for the bluegrass picking party. One dollar red beans and $1 rice. One dollar red beans and rice, yeah. <laughs> you can't pass that kind of thing up. So, And musicians eat free, which is great, so I'm always there. <laughs> you can save that dollar. So, yeah, I've met a lot of great bluegrass and country players there. You know, mm-hmm. so it, the music's definitely here. Um, and, you know, people who, I think people who really listen to the music just love it and will go out of their way mm-hmm. to find it. Diehards. Yeah. Now, do either of you study music at Loyola? She does, yeah. I do. I'm in music education. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And you see yourself going that direction after? Yeah, I think so. Just I, after mm-hmm. the Opry career? after you Right, after I play the Grinnell, I'll be yeah. teaching. I'm secretly going to drag her to Nashville. <laughs> she doesn't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville is an education in itself. So. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I um, Where do you see... Louisiana, where do you see Louisiana's place in the role of Roots music? I mean, you guys were born and raised in a small town. Now you're living in a big town. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been surrounded by music. What, what's the position of Louisiana on the kind of contemporary face of Roots music, in your guys' opinion? I mean, I think, you know, it's never going to change the, uh, the Cajun and Zydeco influence. I don't think, you know, there's definitely more stuff coming into Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but for sure, the you know the Cajun music's never going away. I think what's really interesting, being from Western Louisiana, is um, you know back in the 1920s and 30s, this uh, weird sort of mix between Western swing in East Texas mm-hmm. and the Cajun music that was going on in the prairies, sort of like uh, sort of mixed. So you got like this Cajun Western swing sound that uh, people are still playing back home. <laughs> And um, I think that's definitely going to say there's just so many different sort of like cultural you know, music's so cultural here. I don't think it's necessarily like that anywhere else uh-huh. in the United States. Could be. For sure. And so. what do you guys listen to? What were you listening to in high school? And what are you listening to now? <laughs> in high school, I was listening to The Cure, and now I'm listening to The Cure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great response. I don't listen to the music I play. Uh-huh. I think it's really weird. I don't... I mean, I appreciate it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like it, but it's not what I turn on when I'm in the car. And why Why do you think that's so? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess it's like, I don't know. Get it all out, everything. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me in high school, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of listened to a bunch of different stuff, but uh, definitely it took me a while to actually get into bluegrass. I didn't really know if I liked it that much at first because everyone was into rock and roll. So I was like jamming the Black Sabbath and <laughs> on the mandolin. Yeah, I was trying to like learn like <laughs> guitar riffs on the mandolin to impress my friends so that you know like I have a real instrument, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's still contested by some people. It's a great, <laughs> it's it's a great looking ukulele. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> you know how many times I get that at gigs, you know. <laughs> well, I want to ask what's in your guys' future, but I want to let the audience ask a question first. Mm. If there's anyone absolutely, in the yeah. Dying of curiosity. Yeah. Um, so we're planning on recording this fall. Yeah. That's the goal. We definitely have enough original music. We have a lot, and I'm always so like, this much. isn't that's on our album, recorded. but it will be. Yeah. So that's definitely on the agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, you going to perform out more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm gone this booking. summer, but we're booking for the fall. Cool. So we definitely want to line up more gigs now that we have more musicians and we're playing on Frenchman Street now so oh great where are you playing on Frenchman well we the last gig we played was during French Quarter Fest um, at the Dragon's Dragon's Den Den. and the funny thing about that was it was you know it was really cloudy and we drove up and we were like oh maybe it might rain and right across the street when we started raining it started pouring it just pours down rain and everyone from French Quarter Fest just rushes over the other side of the street and we packed the Dragon's Den (laughs) but everybody loved it and we loved it everybody was was dancing that was a high energy gig yeah Sure. It was yeah. so fun. That's <laughs> awesome. And do you guys ever play at the Neutral Ground? We we did. Yeah, we that did. was one of our first gigs in New Orleans, actually. We played a gig a few weeks ago. With at Neutral nice. Ground. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was and really I hear, fun. I hear there's actually kind of an acoustic music scene there. What's that like? I think that's definitely um, where a lot of acoustic people sort of start. You know, it's, it's so hard, especially if you're like a singer-songwriter, to just go out and play Frenchman or something. I think the neutral ground is really good about just taking in yeah. brand new artists and letting them perform and just they keep doing it and meeting new people and uh, I mean it, they, they did that for us. That was the only place we could play a guitar mandolin duo from you know small town sheltered little kids like you know <laughs> so we that was our first um, but wisdom of decades <laughs> wisdom of decades you guys Cool. Well, thank you guys so much, and we hope to have you back with your new album. Oh, definitely. Thanks yeah, for having thank you, us. Kim. This is awesome. And I'm hoping you guys will play a little more for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Milo's Music Parlor. Thanks so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, and whatever you're doing. This has been a production of It's New Orleans and Milo Records New Orleans, and sponsored by WTL. And a very special thanks to today's guests, Thomas and Teresa. You can burn my body back. Just make me go back. Our show today was produced by Kim Voodin and Taylor Smith. Our technical director is Taylor Smith. Our logistics director is Mark Tobler. Our theme song was composed by Taylor Smith and performed by the Roman Jasmine. Milo's Music Parlor was recorded today at Tassology Art Cafe, located on the historic O.C. Haley Boulevard in New Orleans. For more information on how to attend one of our live performances, check us out at www.milorecordsneworleans.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook, we're at It's New Orleans, 
and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Milo Music Parlor shows on our website, it's neworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True to the Game, Midnight Menu Plus One, and Louisiana Eats. Milo's Music Parlor is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and Milo Records New Orleans. For everyone here at Milo's Music Parlor, thanks for joining us today. Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.